Welcome to the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast, the podcast dedicated to any and all vampire movies not covered by other Movie by Minute podcasts out there, like the Fright Night Movie Minute. And someone said they want to do the Bram Stoker's Dracula from 1992 as its own podcast, which is fine. We are covering Dracula 79, uh, continuing our coverage, and has been a long year covering this movie due to uh, re-recordings and, unfortunately, Scott leaving the show to personal problems. Um, We wish him the best and all the luck with that. But I digress. Uh, we continue with coverage for Dracula 79 with minutes 65 to 70. And joining me for these minutes is a man who has worked in all sorts of Hollywood media uh, physical releases and knowledge of things and, and incredible amounts of sci-fi, horror, fantasy. Please introduce yourself. Hey, I guess I know things. Hey, I'm David Fine. Uh, David C. Fine. I uh, did did the Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition, but also uh, Alien Aliens, uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. These were special editions from years ago. Uh, The specials, uh, the Phantasm series for UK, The Last Starfighter, did some new work for the new Arrow Last Starfighter. All bunch of uh, great classic films that I I adore and and also wrote for Cinefix, where I actually wrote about Bram Stoker's Dracula. Excellent. It's one of my Dracula histories. I just got back from being on the jury at uh, 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 the Sitges Film Festival, which was which was great. Thirty five uh, thirty five horror film horror and fantasy films in eight days. It was a blast. What uh, what was the first time you'd ever seen this film? Uh, many 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 years ago, I would probably be in the mid eighties on videotape, and it was much more colorful. But I'm a huge John Williams fan too. So yes, it meant which a we were talking about meant, excessively. Yes. Yeah, it, it meant so much to me, uh, the music, more more than anything else. But it's funny, I went and watched the film again yesterday, uh, just to review the, the way the film is. And um, it's amazing what a crossroads in, in history this was, that it just was hitting in 79, two years after after the music of Star Wars, Superman, it was around, and Batman coming off Saturday Night Fever. Uh-huh. It, and there's so much here where even the look of it is is like the classic Dracula. Right. Um, but it's it's trying to be modern, but then it still doesn't have a lot of the filmmaking sensibilities we have. Like everybody's clothes remain clean at all times. We were, we were just talking about it in our five minutes. We go into the into the uh below the below the, the crypt, below the, the, the coffin. And nobody gets dirty. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's it's crazy how things look like the the Certain things look uh, uh, um, uh, clean, but it also looks like a, like a set in some ways that it's it's unnatural, but natural in other ways. And the makeup looks different. Very much a crossroads because right around this time we started getting into incredibly realistic looking visual effects, and uh, even with paintings and not digital, and more realistic looking people. But right now it's that weird surreal surreal non-existent moments in this film it's 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 very funny very interesting i was surprised by that yesterday going back to it especially by the i don't know that the monochromatic would work today i think it's more of a throwback to the original i really think the um i really think this is probably the only horror movie that williams scored um i mean jaws and jurassic park are like monster movies what other film the fury is that a straight up horror movie? Is it called a horror movie or is the horror movie after sure, it's, another it's film? A, no, it, the Fury is a horror film with uh, uh, 
you know, uh, uh, telekinesis. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, no, I haven't seen it, but I mean, again, Jaws is called a horror movie, but let's face it. It's not mm-hmm. a true horror movie. Like the way you think like Dracula. Um, yeah, but, uh, it's interesting because John wasn't, John was just beginning to be the John Williams. Right. This. You know, Star Wars put him on the map, but even Star Wars, there was, there's some subtle things in Star Wars, like, like bits of the original 1933 King Kong music by Max Steiner that's in Star Wars. That was like, I'm having fun with this. I'm playing around with it. And then it became the John Williams moment. And, yeah, and even here, this is before Raiders of the Lost Ark. You listen to this music and you can hear so many of the, of the, the, the teases that he does in his music. It's, it's, it's wild. And it's also funny that I feel like the music is on a different level from the movie. Well, we begin our five minutes with Dracula, with uh, Van Helsing uh, crawling into the crypt with uh, uh, Doctor Seward, uh, kind of just you know keeping an eye outside. He needs two crosses to protect himself, of course. Uh, a double cross? Yeah, double cross. Uh, the uh, on the commentary with with Constantine, he talks about that this uh, this whole sequence underneath the the graveyard reminds him of a, a Bernie Wrightson artwork, and I, I, I can really see that a hundred percent. In every aspect, this this a hundred percent reminds me of like old EC comics as well as uh, Bernie Wrightson's artwork. Mm-hmm. Who had just you know wow. kind of risen to prominence because he, he I it, it, I don't remember what date it was published I think it was the early eighties so it was coming up but uh, he was drawing uh, fifty five pages for uh, Frankenstein they were gonna publish this you know the the novel Frankenstein that you know and love but with like fifty five illustrations now by Bernie Wrightson mm-hmm. that he took like five years to draw. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a good balance and there's so much um, it's 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 just. It has its own feeling. It does. I'm not entirely familiar with his art. Uh, he was best say. known for creating Swamp Thing. And ah. then he did the artwork in The Stand for Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's, well, it has the atmospheric feeling that we that were talking about. And I always like, you know, even outside the crypt, the, the floating mist and the, in the, 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 the ground outside. It's, a, it's another classic thing from all the Universal Monsters and of that period. And we also have to point that this is uh, Mina, uh, uh, Van Helsing's daughter, which is rather unusual and different for this film, uh, who looks like Roll reversal, uh, some kind of like zombie decaying flesh creature thing from the Omega Man. Honestly, her makeup reminds me of the the cult of uh, people that uh, Charlton Heston fight in the Omega Man, which was also in the 70s. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, less, less than a sexy, up, up skin. Yeah. yeah, not quite the sexy buxom vampire. Uh, in let's say like Leslie Nielsen's version. Um, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. there's nothing sexy about yeah, this vampire whatsoever. They really wanted to make a point of that. Uh, Van Helsing is of course saved by uh Doctor Seward impaling uh Lucy, and uh, it, this. It it, it 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 it's more of like a, a a bumbling into it than let's say you know we'd see Donald Pleasance who just fires uh six shots at Michael Myers at least a, you know a year prior mm-hmm. in nineteen seventy eight right and he he ends up stabbing his daughter through this as well right in the heart as she's coming out there it's just it's 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 crazy and she also looks very much like Sam Raimi's Deadite by that point correct. With the dark eyes and the skin just peeling, it's it's that that influence uh, uh, probably came in the opposite direction here. And then we have um, uh, uh, Harker showing up in his motorcade to his fiance, which is Lucy. As in the previous five minutes, we had had the James Bond style lovemaking sequence between her and Dracula. 
The, yeah, the dream sequence. The dream which, sequence, which, which is, amazingly... of course, done by a James, one of the people who worked on James Bond. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it because it was also tilting the camera in such a way that, makes, that they're standing, but they're actually laying down and, you know, the color to show the blood. Going right. Through. And they give, uh, they, give, uh, they give our Lucy um, in Substitute Amina a, blood, a, a classic old school version of a blood transfusion to help her get uh, her color back because she has been drained of blood by Dracula. Um, as uh, I do hope that they washed her hands after being in a crypt <laughs> before doing this because yeah. they are completely covered in the dirt of the dead. But not too badly, honestly. They look pretty clean, I have to say. <laughs> Hey, they didn't get anything on their clothes. Why would they get anything on their hands? Either? Yeah, that's true. Um, also, notice the perfectly shaped, you know, the 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 the, the metal, the, the wooden spear that he gets to kick hits her with. Everything is perfect here. Very very clean and organized. The the uh, the the, um, the the stick. God, why am I blanking on it? But anyway, I'm, uh, um, I'm not much of a car expert. Do you know what type of car uh, Jonathan's driving? No, oh, okay. I'm not. I, I'm not a car expert either. But they they metalized her teeth. It looks like too. Jonathan is also one of the um, one of the few people left still alive from this movie. Hmm. Of course, uh, Frank Langella is, is uh, still with us. I haven't seen him in anything recently, so I'm assuming he's like retired. I mean, he's in his like mid 80s. He's one of those people, those shortlist people that should end up somewhere in a Star Wars story. Yeah, I'll tell like, you, if, uh, Jose, if Jose Ferreira was around, he should make it too. Uh, like uh, Werner Herzog was on, it was in the Mandalorian, which was like right. a huge shock to everybody. They were like, "Wait, right. and who is in the Mandalorian?" And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it goes on to that classic collection of filmmakers that have been turned into action figures. And we end our five minutes with uh, Van Helsing issuing orders and going to go get a drink where he's going to mm-hmm. meet up with somebody, which is in the next five minutes of the movie. So uh, the, this film I had seen, um, I think, for the first time when it came on Blu-ray for the first time. I had I had been aware of it, but I don't think I had ever watched it until its original Universal Blu-ray release um, about a, almost a decade ago. And then I picked up the Scream Factory version, which has the, both the theatrical version and the director's uh, desaturized version on it with commentary for both discs and uh, bonus material and so on and so forth. Um, Did you have a preference? Uh, I don't really. I, I saw either one. It, neither one's... I mean, the color looks nice. The, the diluted color looks nice too to me. I don't really have one or the other. Uh, I prefer Constantine's commentary versus the director's commentary, though. I just feel like Constantine was a lot more into the facts about the film. Sometimes I listen to director's commentaries, and they're going on tangents that have nothing to do with the film, and I'm just like, oh, shut up and get back to the movie. Are you even mm-hmm. watching this thing? I, I, I hate that. Um, it's, there's only one thing worse, and that's when you get somebody narrating. And look, here's, here, here is I walked across the frame. Like don't don't narrate a film. <laughs> you don't need to need that. I've seen that. Right. If you're gonna tell me they're walking here. off frame and they're walking to the concession stand, picked up a bagel, ate it, and then a cup of coffee or whatever, gulped it down so fast as they walked back into frame to to do their scene, that would have been oh that's funny. Okay, so they they can eat that. Right. When fast. they came back on, they were sick. Yeah. And that's why their face is that way. That's good. But don't just say oh I'm walking. They're walking. Look look, look as they walk to the left of the frame and leave the frame. I've seen that. I can't believe people. That's somebody who needs some work with some help uh, in their commentaries. Robocop has a really good commentary 
played by the director, uh, Paul Verhoeven, as well as the mm-hmm. other other uh, commentaries on the multiple releases of, of RoboCop. Um, Hellraiser also uh, has some great commentaries, mainly because the screenwriter for 2, 3, and 4 is in the commentary, so he, mm-hmm. he's got a lot to say. Uh, somebody who knows the, the property very Somebody well. knows the property. Clive Barker is really great with his commentary. Sam Raimi does really good commentaries, too. I absolutely love mm-hmm. his um, uh, uh, Taika Waititi on the Thor films. I think it has great commentary too. He really goes into it, makes a lot of jokes. Um, He's so great with those. everything. Yeah, He's definitely. Such, such a great, a lot of great energy. Well, David, we're almost at time. Where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and uh, Facebook as David C. Fine. And you can Very find us. Find me. And you can find us over in the Vampire Movie Minute. If you want to send us an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Don't forget, we're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Audible. Please see, leave us a rating if you can. That'd be great. And we hope you had a happy holiday and a happy new year here with the Vampire Movie Minute podcast. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with another exciting five minutes and a guest author on the show with us. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. <laughs>